Wardcast episode 261. Go! That's right. We're back for yet another infrequent episode. <laughs> we can't. Uh, I- we can't skip out a tradition. That's true. Uh, best games played comes once a year, whether <laughs> we want it to or not. Uh, I'm Dylan Vento. I'm joined by Mr. Alex Damrath. Hi there. And despite our uh, best efforts, some video games came out this year. <laughs> yeah, we really, really tried to stop them. The <laughs> It's been a problem. We've been trying to plug that hole for decades. Yeah. Uh, they just people they keep won't asking. People keep asking, can video games stop coming out so I can take care of my backlog? And we thought we would tackle this problem head on. It did not go well. Um, yeah. Most just didn't answer us. Uh, Phil Spencer laughed at us. Um, I think Miyamoto specifically said, I, I don't speak Japanese very well, but I think he said something along long lines of get out of my house. What are you doing here? uh it it just it was a problem uh yeah. and those are the only people in video games you need to speak to phil spencer and, and miyamoto <laughs> like i said everyone else didn't respond you know oh, yeah. i was really expecting kojima to respond he seems to like to talk i, I it's just yeah well <sighs> it's a shame I, i'm sorry guys we, we tried I, yeah i think i think kojima won't pick up the phone anymore if it's if it's a u.s number after being bothered so much by jeff keely <laughs> But yes, uh, video games. We played some this year. Uh, we even liked some, and we felt it prudent to talk about the ones we liked, and maybe some yeah. of the ones we didn't like. Dylan, what's a game you really didn't like? <laughs> um, let me tell you about the shit. Sonic the Hedgehog. Have you heard of this? It's like this little I... this blue guy. He runs around. He's like really fast. He says he has to go fast. Haven't that we, might like, not, not be verbatim. Haven't we like not had one of those since like the Sega console days? You know, I, like, I wish. <laughs> uh, apparently, with this latest uh, 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 stealth drop from uh, Microsoft, where they like released another another slew of backwards compatible games that got like upres. They have like kind of uh, 4K support now and HDR support. One of them was uh, Sonic Unleashed. And people were like, oh. oh my God, look how good Sonic Unleashed looks. And I'm like, isn't Sonic Unleashed like one of the ones people almost universally hate? <laughs> how? Why are Sonic fans like this? I thought this was one of the bad ones. Oh, no. Because <laughs> that's the werewolf one, right? Excuse me. Werehog. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know something really funny? My, I, I love to know funny things. Okay, my, I've actually very recently had a run-in with Sonic Unleashed, just like in the zeitgeist on my my internet feed, what have you, um, and it was specifically someone pointing out the fact that you could play the entire first level of Sonic Unleashed before Guilty Gear Strive loads. Oh my! But we'll God. get to that. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah. Um. So you hate we, Sonic, is what I'm hearing. I mean. That's no, that's an open secret. Not a fan of that blue hedgehog. No, he's an asshole. Chili dogs? Who eats chili dogs? I hear he does what Nintendo don't, though. 
Like <laughs> that, that might be true. <laughs> um, no. So yeah, we have uh, we have our individual top ten lists. But before we get to that, let me talk about a game I really didn't like this year. And that game, folks, twelve minutes. Let's talk about twelve minutes. Alex, what can you tell me <laughs> about twelve minutes before I get to twelve minutes? It's got Willem Dafoe and uh-huh. James McAvoy and uh-huh. an actress I've forgotten the name of, Daisy Ridley. Oh yeah, Daisy Ridley, uh, Ray Star Wars herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of which are doing American accents, and they sound fine. It's not like the American accents sound bad, but uh, they've both done it before and with fine yeah. results. Yeah, it's uh, so yeah, so it's a game. It's a game that's been in development a long, long time. I forget the uh, the main developer's name. Uh, it's uh, Luis uh, something. Mm-hmm. Let me bring up that information real quick uh luis antonio um was like the main developer he used to work at rockstar i believe and i think he tried pitching this game internally to rockstar when he worked there like uh more than a couple years ago but Mm -hmm. uh put out by annapurna interactive um the conceit is it is a uh kind of groundhog day time loop-esque game which we'll be talking about a decent amount of those uh through the course of these discussions um yeah but you play as this uh unnamed protagonist um i believe only referred to as the husband within the context of the game and you come home and there is basically a sequence of events that occurs that you want to try to prevent and i'm gonna put it out right now you know if you're concerned about spoilers at all for this game uh first note you shouldn't be because this game (laughs) in my honest i you know i don't like this game i i am making that pretty pretty clear you know putting my biases front and center out there um but i don't hate this game as much as some other folks i've seen in in the game sphere seem to uh dog on this game like i i think it's i think it's kind of a dumb game i don't think it is uh the worst games one of the worst games ever made i think it's just kind of like ah i feel like just the 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 creative impulses at play here not particularly great sure um like some good ideas maybe poorly executed uh i I think most of the criticisms kind of fall in the story but there's there's a lot to say about the the game design as well uh but yeah so i assume alex doesn't care about spoilers he might already know what happens um i don't actually but okay well fucking strap in then so the conceit is you come home uh unnaming a character name the husband voiced by james mcavoy you come home uh to your wife played by daisy ridley uh she reveals to you over the course of this shitty candlelit dinner they live in like a one bedroom apartment and like they have like a foyer slash kitchenette uh like living space um and they i mean i i kind of appreciate this for like this weird kind of amount of uh verisimilitude where they don't have like proper drinking glasses so they just like drink <laughs> their like water out of mugs and shit um but it plays out very much like a uh, kind of traditional adventure game you have like an item inventory you combine items you kind of rub items on objects in the environment to see what combination of things 
Uh, oh, you mean like figuratively? You're not like right? Yes, physically, no. physics object picking up a drinking glass and rubbing it against the fridge <laughs> until like a thing happens. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's very Monkey Island style, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, chicken with a pulley in the middle kind of thing, right? But um, your wife reveals to you that she is pregnant. Uh, you both are having a child. She like bought a onesie for the child. Um, I believe the child. I believe there's a name on the onesie. Because I think she knows the gender. I think it's a girl. Hmm. Um, uh, the, some of the things are vague. Because I played this like a couple months ago in the summer. Uh, you really want to reveal your you're having a baby after you know the gender? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, That's she's a... not showing at all. Which, anyways, um, she reveals that they get a knock on the door. It is uh the third character, uh, Willem Dafoe. Um, he claims to be a police officer, and says that your wife is under arrest uh, for her father's murder. And he proceeds to handcuff both of you um, and kind of like lay you out prone on the floor and start making demands about this kind of ornate pocket watch that apparently your wife owns that belonged to her husband. I mean, it belonged to her father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's kind of like how the first arc plays out. And I believe it ends, um, with, you know, Willem Dafoe's character, who is, I believe just referred to as the cop. Um, even though it's, it, you know, it seems apparent that he's either not a cop or, you know, is working kind of off the books because of what he's doing. Um, he is interrogating, uh, your wife, your wife is not giving up any information. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what this watch is. You know, my father died, you know, years ago. I didn't kill him. Um, and he goes, okay, you won't give me information. What if I, you know, threaten to kill your husband? Will you tell me then? And he proceeds to walk over to you and start strangling you uh-huh. um, to get her to tell you or to get her to tell him the location of the pocket watch. Normal and, normal Wednesday afternoon for Willem Dafoe. <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, and, you know, you start, like, losing consciousness, and she gets more and more frantic. She's like, all right, all right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. And then, like, right before she says where it is, you start the loop over. So, basically, any time you ostensibly die, the loop begins again. And the loop lasts... 12 real-time minutes um and the the like pause screen is like the like a portion of a face of a clock that like helps you keep track of like how far along in the loop you are like you can see it from Mm. like the 12 minute mark to like the one minute mark or like right before that so you can see the 12 minutes this is a lot Um, happening in 12 minutes yes and so basically the goal of the game is to like uncover information um kind of progress the story uh and try to break yourself out of this loop break the loop right. as a another video game protagonist might say right and well, as any any anyone caught in a time loop would tell you sure is the goal this has been the staple since bill murray did it <laughs> yes and in, in the in the original groundhog video game yes <laughs> They so the problem with this game and, you know, I'm trying to leave some of my biases at the door because, you know, it's not a secret that I'm not a particular fan of 12 minutes. But I mean, uh, I, I it's, not, it's not a secret that I'm a 
not a particular fan of Outer Wilds, Mm -hmm. but I feel like 12 minutes in Outer Wilds, even outside of both being time loop games, I think because they are time loop games, they both fall into the same issues. And the problem is puzzle games are built on trial and error right like you need a little bit of experimentation um like i've been reading a lot about puzzle design because i've been kind of like experimenting and tooling with stuff in my free time Mm -hmm. and you know in in traditional action games you have game flow right like you have that perfect state of flow where your skills as a player uh are Are, met one-to-one with the difficulty of the challenge in a puzzle game that doesn't really exist because the design of a puzzle is intentionally built so that you run into a wall momentarily and then you have to kind of kind of circumvent that wall so in a puzzle game or i mean so in an action game where you know you are like you're really you know you're in the moment and you're flowing and like you're just you're you're riding on that razor's edge of like ah the challenge is like meeting me and it's like i'm barely getting out like at the skin of my teeth like in a puzzle game it's intentionally like this kind of staccato start and stop thing it's like oh i okay i'm running into this area i have to observe things around me i'm going to fail a couple of times and uh then i'm going to overcome the challenge and there's been some good gdc talks about like that kind of loop um and there's one i think is this woman that works mostly in like the edutainment field uh and she coined this term called sophia which is this like loop of you know confusion and anxiety that then builds into like revelation and the dopamine hit of solving a puzzle and i think through my course of playing puzzle games i'm not a particularly good puzzle game player like there are puzzle (laughs) games that really jive with me like like oberdin like i think oberdin is like a massive masterfully designed puzzle game yeah and um, to your credit there's also like no real fail state in Oberdin, right right exactly uh it allows you it it basically it it you allows for play less efficiently by not discovering all you needed within the first time it shows you something but you can always just go back and look at it yes yeah there's there's infinite trial and error with Oberdin. there's also really good brute forcing so it's like you could have you know, with with the with the built-in structure of, uh, it tells you, you know, you have to get three correct answers. You have to find out three correct uh, victims and the way they died before mm-hmm. it tells you. Um, that's a great way to brute force. It's like, well, I know for like a almost absolute certainty the way these two characters died and how they died, but this third person. I know that it's this person that died, but I'm not exactly sure how they died because like, you know, in the manifest or logbook, they have like a bunch of like red herring uh, ways of, of people uh, dying. And but you can just, you know, plug and chug a bunch of those different ones. It's like, I know it's this person. I'm just going to try a bunch of different permutations and then it'll eventually lock it in and tell you. And it's like, you're not cheating. You're not you're not cheating the system. You figured out most of the information. There was just that one piece that was missing, but the game allows, you know, gives you enough slack that you're allowed to do that. And I think a lot of puzzle games kind of miss out on both of those things. Um, And I think what, to me, what makes 12 minutes such a slog, and I was able to get like parts of the way through it, but it, 
yeah, there was eventually a point where I was like, I'm just going to look this up because I want to see how this fucking thing ends. And then when I saw how the way the, the game ends, I was like, what the fuck is any of this? <laughs> but yeah, so like the puzzles are, it's it's just a lot of like, you have to set things up in a correct sequence of events. And if you fail in doing that, you have to restart the loop and try it again, which mm. I which is really what turned me off to Outer Wilds because it's like, okay, I... I'm trying to figure out my way through this thing or trying to like see where I'm supposed to go and oh I died and so I got to start you know the entire time loop over again and you know it's it's 20 minutes on the long end if you survive the entire thing but you could spend a whole 20 minute loop not really learning anything yeah and that's that's no fun to me as a player in in a in a smaller version of that in the witness because I played the witness within the past like year and a half or so and the witness, uh, there's kind of infinite trial and error in most of the puzzles, except for the points where they break it. So there's like one area that has a bunch of color-based puzzles, yeah, um, that are pretty pretty challenging. And then there's kind of like an ultimate challenge at the end of that area where you get in this elevator, and you have like three consecutive puzzle or color-based puzzles to kind of finish off that area. And if you fail and every time you successfully get one correct it the elevator goes up a level and you're trying to i think you're going up like three or four stories sure but they're really difficult puzzles and if you fail any of them you have to restart it all the way from the beginning and so that's like the restart puzzle loop in microcosm where it's mm-hmm. like that's where i stopped playing the witness so i was like this this first off breaks all the rules that you've kind of set up throughout the course of the rest of the game yeah because i have to keep plugging in these solutions even though i have already solved them because i can't get the final one you're making me redo it and so it felt more it felt less of me being rewarded as a game player and it felt more like jonathan blow just trying to show off how smart he was yeah i i certainly bounced off of the witness for similar reasons and and i won't spend too long defending outer wilds i already have but um i will say (laughs) i've made my case yeah (laughs) uh to its credit I think what makes Outer Wilds work for me is a how you can approach its puzzles more laterally. Um, you never have to go at it the way that it is intended. Uh, and B, if you ever do get hard stuck, even with that, uh, you could always just go somewhere else and chase a different lead and yeah. have it, you know, come back to it when you feel a little more ready, a little more seasoned. Uh, so, but yeah, it certainly has that aspect where like a couple times I died and it was it's it got a little frustrating here and there. What I really liked about Outer Wilds were the shortcuts. It's like, oh, you have completely yeah. cleared this area. Here's like a shortcut that just now, takes you down to it. Now you'll find a way to get back here easier if you need to in the future. Yeah. I wish they permanently marked those on the map because <laughs> I would forget where they were. <laughs> and it's just like, because they have that whole like, I don't know. We're talking about Outer Wilds and not 12 minutes, but the, right. I, I, whatever, Outer Wilds. But yeah. 12 minutes. So they have all these challenges you have to complete and it's basically like kind of setting up the correct sequence of events um to get them done so like and so like the first thing you do is you just kind of do like a clean sweep of the entire uh house and it's not a big house it's it's three rooms and a closet Mm -hmm. 
And so you just kind of like first couple of loops, you just kind of try to interact with everything to like see, make sure there's nothing that you're you're missing. And like the game is mostly done from this top down perspective, um, kind of like in the style of like, I don't know, any top down RPG or something or like Pokemon or whatever. And then sometimes mm-hmm. when you interact with something, it goes into like a first person view. It's like if you'll go into the closet, it'll go first person or like, oh, I'm going to look at the medicine cabinet and it goes first person. Um, and also... Uh, I should say at this point, uh, content warning for uh, domestic abuse and violence and um, some other stuff that I won't reveal yet because that content warning is kind of is a spoiler. And I will say the content warning right before I say the spoiler. Okay. Um, the. So you're so you know the guy's always going to come in at X certain time, and the first couple loops you're also trying to talk to your wife and like if it's just like I'm in a time loop, blah blah blah, and she's like you're a crazy person, <laughs> yeah, um, like anyone like, would say, right? And then like there seems to be so the one thing that really there are a lot of red herrings, and I think what really makes me a bad puzzle player puzzle game player is that sometimes the red herrings i'm just like convinced there has to be a solution at the end of it so like an example you try to convince your wife that you're stuck in a time loop you kind of go through this dialogue tree with her um and then she's like okay prove it to me and then you're like okay and so one of the things you know uh that happens in the loop if you play the loop normally is that you sit down for dinner and she shows you this onesie that she bought for the baby and you know she hid it in the bedroom so you go in the bedroom and you open up like the dresser and there's a present that she's going to show you and then you just bring it to her and she's like look at this present clearly unopened i know there's baby clothes in it and she's like oh wow it's like i just i just bought that today how could you know i'm like yeah see obviously i know that i'm in a time loop and i can prove shit (laughs) and then she goes all right find something else to prove it to me it's like no I already had like why do you need two pieces of evidence <laughs> and so I spent maybe a couple loops like trying to like find the answer there that feels so video gamey too right like it's kind of like <laughs> yeah it, that was a pain in the ass and then yeah. another loop another kind of rabbit hole I ran down was okay she clearly there is clearly this pocket watch mm-hmm. how do I get her to like talk about where the pocket watch is um and there's also a path you can go down where uh so in the i feel like this game is is good at like kind of signaling where there are places you go like every time you start a loop you james mcavoy like uh, verbally verbalizes like the thing you should be doing um and for a lot of the loops it was him going it's like i need her to tell me where the pocket watch is and there's one path you can go down where uh, the light switch in the in the bedroom ha- has like short circuited and you could turn it on once and it'll turn the lights on fine and then you can turn it off. If you turn it on a second time, it will electrocute you <laughs> and and knock you out temporarily. Uh, and I just found that out from brute forcing it. Like I accidentally turned it on once I turned it off and then turned it on a second time and it like it electrocuted me and I passed out on the floor and then it like fades up the clock from the, the pause menu and then like pushes it forward a couple minutes to oh tell God. you that you've lost some time. And then your wife like wakes you up. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, well, I, I, know, right. I know I know I can use this to uh, uh, knock out temporarily uh, Willem Dafoe. 
How do I get him to do that? Um, I need to get him into the bedroom. How do I get him into the bedroom? Okay, well, I can... Uh, in, in my search throughout all of the hidey holes in this house, I have discovered that in the medicine cabinet, there's a bottle of sleeping pills. So the solution is to drug your wife so she passes out unconscious on your bed in the bedroom and then you have to hide so that when so so the the front room the like foyer closet is like a big component of like you hiding so like things will happen without your interference so you hide in the closet so like when william defoe like breaks into your apartment he's like looking for people and he sees that your wife is unconscious in the bedroom and he goes in there turns the light switch on electrocutes himself passes out and then you come out of the closet walk up to him and then take the handcuffs he has to handcuff him and then you interrogate him to like understand more of the story and it's such adventure game bullshit because <laughs> like you can figure it out like i mean like there's at least enough breadcrumbing there to help you lead you in that direction and it's like one of kind of the big goalposts of like, okay, now you can talk to, you know, now you are the person uh, holding all the cards in this conversation. So you can ask him whatever you want. Right. Um, and get as much information. And he's telling you, it's like, yeah, she killed her, 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 her dad and stole this pocket watch. And, you know, I was friends with her dad and all this shit. And you go down that road <laughs> and you're like, okay, I still need to find this pocket watch. How do I get my wife to talk to me about this pocket watch? And if you confront her directly about it's like, I know about the pocket watch. It's, apparently you killed your dad, et cetera. So this guy's going to come through the door and she like gets very angry with you and refuses to talk to you about any of this stuff. And so then for a couple of, of loops, again, content warning for domestic abuse. I was like, okay, I have to physically threaten my wife. Oh my God. Because it's signaled that if I drug my wife, I get information through this guy okay hey look on the kitchen counter there's a knife use knife on wife clearly use knife on wife <laughs> clearly this will yield results and oh when you God. do that you hover the knife object over your your wife you just stab her what the you fuck just, you just murder your wife and i was like okay that didn't go the way i planned and so i did that about two or three more times and it still didn't yield any results because every time he just murders her and then uh, you can you can uh, forcibly uh, preemptively restart the loop by just opening the front door and walking out because it won't let you leave the confines of the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd stab her and she'd be dead on the floor and I'd be like, all right, well, I'm just going to go <laughs> and just restart the loop and restarts the loop. It puts you back inside. She's like, oh, hi, honey. How you doing? Oh, my Lord. Um, and like, okay, maybe if I kill her and leave her body and then hide in the closet and Willem Dafoe comes in, he'll be like, oh shit. And then he'll find the pocket watch by himself. And just like nothing was yielding results. And so the actual answer is every time you enter the apartment, uh, there's like a five, let's say 10, 15 second window where your wife is in the bathroom. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, washing your hands or doing something and getting ready. And then she comes out and greets you. So within that momentary span of time, you're supposed to hide in the closet 
so that when she comes out, she thinks, oh, my husband's not home yet. And then the rest of the events play out where Willem Dafoe comes into the apartment, binds her, asks her where the pocket watch is. Um, And in most scenarios, if you are, if you greet her uh, before Willem Dafoe comes in and then you go hide in the closet, she always acknowledges that you're in the closet. She will, she will like look at the closet and he'll be like what are you looking at and open up the closet and pull you out and then tie you up too mm. but if she doesn't know you're in the apartment she she can't do that and so she te- ultimately tells her it's like oh it's in the vents underneath the sink in in the bathroom uh which is funny because every room in the apartment has a vent that you can open up and look into and i was like okay there's one here there's one here ostensibly there has to be one in the bathroom and but they have designed that first person view in the bathroom in such a way that you can't plainly tell that there's a vent there's Uh. just kind of like a dark crawl space underneath so like in order to get to that loop preemptively you would have to like do some actual pixel hunting Mm -hmm. like you just have to click on every square inch of that screen and so it's like you know in prior to this point i had started watching a youtube video because like i don't know what the fuck to do and i just want to see how this damn thing ends and so ultimately what plays out is that he finds the pocket watch or like you find out where the pocket watch is um you're able to talk to your wife about it you know this guy is convinced that you killed or, or that she killed her dad and uh there's like a photo on the 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 fridge that was taken of her on like a new year's Eve party that proves she was in one location and it was the same night that her dad was murdered. So you can then use that during a loop to prove to the cop that she didn't murder her dad. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is I, 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 again, forgive me. I'm forgetting some of the sequence of this, but at some point you're able to like, you have to play, there are like three, endings and like one ending is like convincing willem dafoe not to kill uh your wife and like Mm -hmm. proving that she wasn't the murderer and then like the next ending is figuring out who the murderer was and at some point a like flashback triggers where you uh you go back to the night he was murdered somehow I think from like looking at the pocket watch or something and you get this weird flashback where you're like in this like ornate study with like all these books and stuff and you're being, I'm already getting the sense that this pocket watch has something to do with the time loop and therefore time travel powers. Yes. Yeah. Like from the very Uh, beginning when you said, where's a pocket watch? I was like, Oh, well, okay. Yeah. That's that's what's causing this whole, this whole (laughs) issue. But, uh, you are you go to the scene where it's seemingly James McAvoy again and Willem Dafoe again kind of arguing back and forth but the Willem Dafoe character instead of being like this guy with like this kind of very short uh buzz cut he's got kind of like longer shoulder length hair and they're like arguing about this woman it's like you can't be with her etc cetera, etc cetera. and then James McAvoy's character ultimately kills this different version of Willem Dafoe um, and then it like kind of like cuts back to the presence in the apartment and all this stuff. And okay, so again, 
kind of forgetting the sequence of things. You ultimately discover that content warning for incest. Your wife is technically your sister. And that this event that happened in the past was your father, James McAvoy's father, which was also Daisy, Daisy Ridley's father, confronting you that you can't fuck your sister. You can't be married to your sister. And that James McAvoy ultimately kills him because of that. Mm. Uh, and that they're together for some reason. But also the pocket watch allows James McAvoy to like travel back to that moment and ultimately say, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be with my sister and choose not to chase after her and not make a baby. That's a product of incest. Yeah. And that's, and that's the story. It's just so dumb. There's nothing satisfying to it. Wow. You're kidding. Yeah, it's just like a stupid thing. And then like there's like one final loop where you start back because the game at the very beginning before the first loop, you start in an elevator and you walk down the hallway of this apartment complex and you go into your apartment. Then you start the actual game and then kind of reboots the entire game and you do that thing again. But when you go inside the apartment, it's basically like completely barren because like you're just a bachelor that lives by himself and there's just like nothing much of there to look at and i think you still find the pocket watch but it's like all busted now or something i don't know it's fucking dumb and that's why it's on our our list at uh what what did you put it at you can put it like a hundred thousand or something yeah (laughs) yeah it's just it's a game that thinks it's smarter than it is yeah like not i mean like not even in the puzzle design, just like narratively. It's like, oh, isn't this going to be like a crazy revelation that, oh my God, like it's a story about love and like, you know, forbidden love and <laughs> you shouldn't sleep with your sister and make a baby. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I sure. guess. And, and in my in my game dev <laughs> travels, I have uh, run into, spoken with people that have uh, previously kind of helped out on that game in the past and they have said that that was kind of a big sticking point creatively and why people here and there left the project oh because just it's it's dumb like even if if it weren't so gross it would be just incredibly dumb yeah yeah it, it, it's it's not a strong hook can see it's still like still so very 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 taboo in society for good reason like you can't create likable characters out of their their well, need to yeah fuck each other <laughs> well i mean it like the incest thing i don't know like the incest thing is is dumb i don't think it's i don't think it's impossible to make a good story that involves oh sure that right. involves you know the you know, sexual love between two people that are related. Like, I, I mean, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but obviously like that, that's a thing that's existed before. Like stories like yeah. that have existed before, but um, it's, it's, and yes, it's, we mean before game of Thrones, <laughs> it's more so that they just kind of treat it as like, that's the big, like that's their fucking equivalent of like, there's always a man in a lighthouse. It's like, right. 
these two are related and they're having <laughs> a baby together. See that coming. I was like, I guess. And then like to stack the very ordinate kind of kind of high art, like kind of Hollywood appeal of like, and it's also voiced by famous people. Doesn't that make it even more prestigious? And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's still poorly, to- poorly told story. Yeah. So that's a, uh, that's 12 minutes. Yeah, that's me spending 30 minutes on 12 minutes. It's, <laughs> I don't know, draw your own conclusions, I guess. But I think the one end note I would add to this is there was, when when this game came out and people started talking about the ending and all that stuff, I think my one gripe was uh, there were like some articles that were like, we're going to complain about death loop i mean not death loop. we're gonna complain about 12 minutes um and then they would say you know content warning for domestic violence and then they would also say incest uh and my oh a friend and i were talking about this and it's like you know if your game has three characters and two of them are married and you say content warning incest like you know what's going to happen. And if you don't care about spoilers, yeah. that's fine. But like also, I feel like some some pieces that are being written up about it weren't being very upfront. It's like, hey, we're going to spoil the ending. They would just say content warning incest. And it's like, and then people started doing that. And it's like, hey, content warning incest. And then they would say, I'm going to talk about the ending of 12 minutes. It's like, well, now I already know what it is because <laughs> I can I could use my powers of deduction to figure out my what you're going to say. Context clues. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a good game. It buzzed me out because I was kind of excited for it because it did seem interesting. But yeah, it did. And and Hollywood stars in games always kind of fascinates. It, it's sure. funny that we're reaching that point and now everyone's starting to do it. But it's also uh, that's Anna Perner's whole shtick, right? Because they're a movie studio, so it's like, oh, we're gonna use our contact. Yeah, they make movies. Well, um, I, I know, but like, I don't know any of their other games that do this. Well, Artful Escape has uh, fucking what's his face, uh, Carl Weathers in it, and Does a it bunch really? of other people, and uh, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, huh. So yeah, they're making like that's gonna be like their push. It's like, oh, we have all these Hollywood industry contacts. We're going to utilize them as talent for our games to kind of like give it that extra extra push i guess i when i think of like annapurna games i don't normally i guess i just don't think of like voice talent because i'm thinking of like outer wilds and the pathless and some other stuff yeah talentless games goragoa (laughs) wow (laughs) gosh (laughs) all right all right all right all right yeah no i think the voice actor thing is more of a a recent uh development but i think yeah i I guess you're right that's going to be more and more a thing they kind of push to. Um, mm-hmm. Annapurna, interesting publisher. Um, I don't know how many of their games I ultimately grok with, um, but I like their style of like they don't they don't publish games; they publish talent. So mm-hmm. they like specifically look for developers they want to work with and partner with. I mean, that's why they're publishing. You know, they published Donut County, but now they're publishing Ben Esposito's other game that neon white is that what's called that card anime card battler first person thing thing yep uh and the hyperlight drifter sequel and that one about the cat and the robots uh which is why i was saying like i I still don't know if i am familiar with like a lot of solid voice talent with these because so many that i'm seeing don't really have voice acting i am dead does but i don't think anyone famous yeah right queen latifah's in um 
uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. So that's like another Oh, example. true. Like they would true. have gotten Queen Latifah without Annapurna, I feel like. Yeah, no, you might be right. Um, Kentucky Route Zero, I feel like might have someone, but I don't know. And Maybe. I haven't played Last Stop yet. That's been on the list. It's um, on Game Pass. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> Automatically a bad game. It's on Game Pass. <laughs> When's it coming to a real storefront? Whoa. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's stop talking about 12 minutes. Let's yeah, talk about... that was a lot of time for 12 minutes, but that's okay. I got a lot of time to talk about Deathloop last time. You, you needed a game to talk about. Uh, let's get into our lists proper. Let's get it. Oh, yeah. Let's just let's run down our, our listy lists. We don't have to say any sort of... Uh, um superlatives for this we can just talk about um what they are sure how about you go first how about you go first okay you're gonna go top to bottom bottom top how are you gonna tackle this i'm gonna go bottom top okay uh we're gonna start with uh a very very recent one that just kind of snuck like rolled its way under the closing door indiana jones style uh the kid a amnesia exhibit is how i'm choosing to pronounce that uh then cruelty squad different video game uh before your eyes guilty gear strive monster hunter rise metroid dread inscription outer wilds echoes of the eye death loop and then finally resident evil 8 or resident evil village whatever you prefer awesome awesome for me my top 10 uh, coming in at number 10, Pac-Man 99. Number 9, I got Hitman 3. Number 8, I got Split Gate. Number 7, I got Death Loop. Number 6, Hold Down. Number 5, Halo Infinite. I'm going to talk about games coming in under the wire. Yeah, really. 4, Knockout City. 3, New Pokemon Snap. 2, Adios. And one Paper Mario colon the Origami King. All right, so tell me about this Amnesia Kid Amnesia All right. exhibit. So this this okay, is sort computer. Of a- tell me about <laughs> Kid Amnesia. Oh, you ex- do know exhibition. a thing or two about Radiohead. Okay, I know that. Right. And I know I'm a creep. I'm a something. Yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that one. Um, <laughs> it is actually really funny that um what create what radiohead might be most known for is probably their least favorite song among people who really really like them uh and and i think radiohead as well just like tom york and co like really don't care for 90s radiohead there's been some interviews where he said like you know we don't talk about those first two albums uh yeah you you have mentioned in the past that you don't care for Radiohead because you don't care for 90s bands. And to me, it's always been weird because they are like le- the least 90s band a 90s band could have been. And then like so quickly escaped that orbit uh, and, and became their own thing. I They started with Pablo Honey and uh, The Benz, the, their first two albums, which were pretty 90s rockish for sure. Um, and then went into OK Computer which was a transitional period, a lot of experimentation, and then landed from OK Computer in like 2002 and 2005, I think. We got Kid A and Amnesia, which are considered seminal albums, not um, formative albums that really shaped their trajectory to come. Kid A and Amnesia are about as experimental and weird 
as a band can get. And it's it's full of like weird electronic interludes, uh, uh, soft, hauntingly depressing piano songs, a lot of violin, a lot of like strange percussion. It's it's a it's an exploration of their field that not a lot of bands do. And, and like I'm gonna start here in a, in a separate way by saying like I was a weird kid um in general but like i think what probably set me apart from a lot of my peers early on was like my music taste is is so hard to describe i can never really tell people what i like um i i only know what i like when i hear it (laughs) but there's very few bands that consistently hit a mark of something that i really really enjoy like radiohead and i think it's because nothing of theirs sounds the same as anything else they've ever done but it all consistently sounds like radiohead um and and i had to put this on the list if only because i grew up with these albums and hearing them experiencing them with this this game this this interactive piece bubbled up a lot of emotions i had kind of forgotten about and it's kind of a big deal to me. I, I, I especially just because Radiohead is a band that doesn't care for the spotlight. Uh, if if I had to think of like another artist that echoes uh, Tom York, the leads at uh, feelings on this, he, he's always been very outspokenly critical of of capitalism, of the music industry, of of image and celebrity. Uh, he doesn't do very many interviews. He doesn't do press tours. There's lots of stories of like fans who, if they see him in person and treat him like a rock star he absolutely hates it he'll like tell him to fuck off he does not want to be a rock star he wants to be a normal guy who makes art and and anyone who treats him like a normal guy he's extremely kind and sweet too like like he uh <laughs> it sounds he sounds I, I, very much like a kind of tom morello character where it's like people like to to take it even one step further i feel like a lot of people really misinterpret uh uh rage against the machine yeah you know there's that pretty good tweet that's like conservative white kids think fuck you i won't won't do do what you tell me me. yeah it's about like telling your mom you don't want to wash the dishes or something and not about like (laughs) the police state um and yeah no i agree um i'll let you you get back i just want to i just want to kind of vocalize how um you know i definitely have a weird uh music taste as well um and it doesn't jive with a lot of people and it definitely i've definitely like had people turn their noses up at my music taste simply because like it's not like easy listening Mm -hmm. um and so that's what really turns me you know knives out towards anyone else being like super excited or like pushing their music taste onto which i don't think you're doing about Mm -hmm. but yeah like i feel like i'm glad that radiohead has this uh kind of deeper uh, more available kind of range of music, even though I haven't experienced it firsthand. But I think, unfortunately, you can't deny if someone brings up Radiohead, they're just going to think of Creep. And yeah. I mean, that's that's <laughs> no fault of the band. Like they built, they made a. It's the song popular... that made it onto Rock Band for whatever reason, right? And that, well, I mean, not for whatever reason. It was like you know that was 
Right, the, yeah, yeah. The high, like that was right in the middle of like the grunge wave and like alternative music, like kind of hitting its stride. And it's like, how soon after that did, uh, like, um, you know, uh, what's his face? The, the leader of Nirvana die. Um, right. Uh, Kurt Cobain. Uh, and I, I read a really good tweet thread recently about how like kind of rock music essentially died right after that, not because of the music that was being made, but because of the telecommunications act of 1996. And it like basically destroyed the sharing of rock music because a bunch of radio stations started getting consolidated under like smaller and smaller amounts of owners. Um, and that's when kind of popular music as we know it today, pop music of like, you know, I'm, I'm Again, I, I don't speak the language of pop music because I don't like things like a, a Taylor Swift or a Lizzo or whatever, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I find difficulty grabbing the language. Um, but like that stuff became more of the norm or like even like Britney Spears, like late 90s kind of stuff like that or like your boy bands because like it became more and more of a business of this loop of creating kind of kind of <laughs> reverse engineering popular music and then like selling it through the radio waves and etc and um yeah and that's where i like really fell off of liking any sort of contemporary music i like some acts here and there but very few and far between but like for me my favorite band is jethro toll but if i say oh i like jethro toll to someone they're gonna say oh yeah aqualung and i'm like <laughs> like aqualung it doesn't even like hit like the top 20 songs i like of theirs and like <laughs> similar to like how you're describing radiohead like they had such a range like they were a jazz band at first and then they got out of their jazz roots and they did like uh, kind of more world music, like incorporating all these other things. And like, obviously infamously Ian Anderson, like started playing flute and like flute became a big portion of like their music, even though Aqualung, the most famous song doesn't have flute in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they became, they released like these three very well-known folk albums. Um, they were like very influenced by like their Scottish roots and, and whatnot. And then like, yeah so it's like i i really i also i also like bands that like they can experiment and kind of like kind of stretch their abilities to like different genres and uh you could still recognize the like the core tenets of like that musical act underneath mm-hmm. um and so yeah so i like that i like i like that intellectual discussion of uh music and people's taste in music i think what frustrates me ultimately and i don't think this applies to you or the way you're speaking about radiohead (laughs) is that i think most people's tastes in most things i would say but like let's just kind of keep it to music for now kind of stops at that surface level right like you know you you mentioned radiohead someone just brings up creep you know Mm -hmm. i go into a bar and you know a local band you have a band here called killer tofu right which has uh which Killer Tofu is a reference to Doug, the cartoon, because Doug took place in a fictionalized version of uh, Richmond, and they have right. a band in the show called The Beats, which are a riff on the Beatles, but they have a song called Killer Tofu, and so the band, <laughs> the local band Killer Tofu is a reference to that song. But they just play, like, 90s hits, right? Like, they're going to play sure. your fucking Weezer and your in your Nirvana or whatever. But, like, I remember distinctively, distinctively being at a bar and they were playing creep and you just see all these attractive 20 somethings just like saying <laughs> i'm a creep i'm a loser i'm like no this doesn't apply to any of you motherfuckers like, yeah uh so yeah so like that's that's i i feel like people and again like going back to like 
people misinterpreting the, the themes of killing in the name of from Rage Against the Machine and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And Tom Morello, like having a whole album, solo album, just about union music, like he's singing old union hymns. Um, that's what bothers me about media consumption in general. But like in terms of music, it's like, you know, easy listening. Like if you if you like what you like, I'm not going to shame anyone for that. But like, I'm not going to enjoy talking to you about it. Because like heartedly agree. Because <laughs> you're not going to have anything interesting to say. Unlike Alex here having some interesting stuff to say about Radiohead. Um, but the game itself. Yes. So I, I feel like that's been enough about the bands. I, I, I love them. I, I think this is such a cool way to experience this music i it's and it's not just like i was fully expecting it you know from all the trailers from what i know of them uh for this just to be like you know a museum where you go between rooms and you know you hear a song there might be like a little bit of interactivity Uh, there isn't much in the way of interactivity you can move around you can look you can zoom in on things and you can change your gait from like you know a stroll to a gentle trot you know it's in terms of like how you can manipulate your character, there isn't a whole lot going on. But then the museum kind of plays with you. And there's more to this than just being a space to listen to their music that it, it kind of unfolds in a way. And I have said before, one of like the easiest ways to make it on one of my lists is have an interesting mechanic that i can't quite explain how was done i guess um and there is one instance of that in this a there's a couple like impossible spaces where like you go into a room and there's like an object in it uh there's a pyramid and and one like a floating pyramid in one of these rooms right and it's not too big uh but then like you can walk around it and on one end of it there's like a staircase or like a ladder propped up against it and you can walk up the staircase and go inside an opening in the pyramid. And once you're inside it, it's huge. You know, it does like the whole TARDIS thing. Um, and there's bits that are kind of unnerving, which a lot of the music from these two albums is already. Uh, it's it's a very tragic album. Uh, it, it explores a lot of more morose themes than their other stuff. Uh, I like to think of OK Computer and Hail to the Thief as being like really angry albums. And Kid A and Amnesia get, get a lot sadder. Uh, outside of a couple songs and and i the museum kind of reflects that there's a lot of spaces that feel sad and dark and a little scary um going into this pyramid is one of them because it's it's dark except for this door that you can see in it you can see uh an opening that's just like shining some green light into the room uh as you walk in suddenly all the walls around you light up like TV screens, like they've got projectors on them. And as soon as they're lit up, you see this giant creature that's just been strolling around the room with you the whole time. And that's the kind of thing I don't think I would have... I just, you know, you don't expect it. And it, it, it kind of, it, it shocks. It, it it genuinely unnerves for a moment. Um, you can follow down that path for a little while. You can reach a space where uh, it's completely silent and it just kind of guides you to the center of the room. And once you're in that center, um, all of everything disappears. You're kind of surrounded. Okay, how do I describe this? You're in a glass box and around you on these four walls are paintings. And this is 
the the game heavily features work by Stanley Donwood, who is Radiohead's unofficial six member. He's done all of their album art. He's worked with Tom on like all of their their physical media, basically. Um, so it's his paintings that that make most of the museum. Um, and these four paintings are surrounding the glass box that you walk into. And then when you get to the center, the lights cut out and the glass box disappears and suddenly you're able to float. Like you can use the space bar to ascend and uh, Q to descend. And you can kind of just fly around the room. And you go through a sequence of three songs. And it starts with How to Disappear Completely, which features the the paintings exploding into particles that just flurry around you like snow uh, caught in a, in a wind vortex. One by one, they burst and it's a very slow motion effect and it's very it's just very emotional i don't know how else to describe it without you having like played it and hearing this music and being immersed in this in this moment um and that transitions into pyramid song which is actually one of my all-time favorites of theirs it's soft piano haunting violins it's about a man committing suicide he jumps into a river and before he dies he's like seeing his family around him and and it's so powerful frankly and when that one starts you're still like the painting particles have all faded out and the room was pitch black and suddenly you sort of realize as it it changes from black to a bright red um, that a sphere is closing in around you and when it closes around you, it starts to get images moving on it, uh, video footage of something. It looks violent, but it's so washed in like a red filter that you can't quite tell what's happening. It just has an, an implied, an impression of violence to it. Whatever footage you're watching, it looks kind of maybe gory. You don't know. It, it's it's just, it's too tinkered with to be clear. And this is like the game dev trick that really got me. I'm not sure quite how they did this, but like, so the sphere turns into a Taurus. Which seems like, okay, easy enough. I could figure that out. Um, and then you're trapped in a, in a donut, right? It was a sphere. Now it's a Taurus. And there's a pillar in the center that you can't get around. And every time you like, you can like run through the Taurus like a track. And every time you do, um, the images have like changed. Like it becomes a completely different thing as you <laughs> run through it um, while the song is planning. And, and man... It goes from that into you and whose army, another favorite, and, and then you get to just kind of float out of there, and, and it's it's just things like that. I I don't know how else I could describe the rest of the museum. There's creatures that are walking around, experiencing it with you. There's a room full of paintings that you get to see unfold as you walk closer to them, like they turn from two D images into like three D dioramas. Uh, there's a room covered in TV screens that are all playing different footages from like different shows and whatnot. And it's, uh, there's a song playing in it. That's an instrumental for the most part called the national anthem, um, which has undertones of like a whining electronic thing. That's all you hear when you walk in, but there's like a big gel column. I don't <laughs> that uh there's like an arrow on the floor pointing to it it's just this like drum and bass on the arrow and if you walk into the gel you like hear like a slurp as your character gets sucked <laughs> into it and once you're in it you hear like the drum and bass line kick in it like only exists within the gel and it's 
it's weird stuff like that. They figured out how to make this feel like much more of a physical space, much more of a an interesting representation of their work and their music in in different ways and different things, all, all while just being uh uh such a just such a unique experience. Um, and and it's free. I mean, I can just pull this up whenever I feel like I need to listen to their music and have like a much more interesting connection to it now. I, I or just like a way to experience it. I mean, it, I, I might be running in circles with this, but it is, it's fantastic. And it's I, also in, in VR, right? No, I wish it was. Um, I saw some fans trying to figure out ways to get it to run in VR. Cause I know you can kind of hack games to do that with some programs um lots of people have figured it out for other games maybe someone will uh but it it sure seems like a game that should be in vr honestly um just to like fully immerse yourself in it and make it feel like more of a physical space i uh yeah i so it had to go on the list if only because you know while, while i was expecting a radiohead museum with artwork and music, I wasn't expecting it to be as fully realized as it is. Yeah, it seems cool. I'm looking at the collaborators on this. Um, they have these two kind of production studios, uh, Name the Machine and what was this other one called? Um, Arbitrarily Good Productions. <laughs> um, it's confusing because Arbitrarily Good Productions, I don't know if the URL is broken, but instead of their URL being listed in the address bar, it's just an IP address. And I don't oh. know if that's like a stylistic choice or whatever. Maybe. Um, but it looks like uh, Name the Machine does like a lot of like motion graphic stuff for like stage design. Like it looks like oh. they did like the CES like motion graphics stage for in 2018. Do a bunch of like weird okay. synthesizer stuff. Did stuff for like the LA Philharmonic um and then uh, sorry i i should also say uh i really like there's a thing about the space where every so often you run into a qr code and if you scan that (laughs) qr code it takes you to a you get get one nft it's a piece of artwork (laughs) oh i i have a feeling they would hate nfts they'd have to i'd be so so. heartbroken otherwise this would defeat the entire point (laughs) and and like they're so pro environmentalism like there's there's a lot of songs about how badly we're fucking up the earth um uh i i just feel like they're smarter than that but anyway um it takes you to like a in-browser map of the museum which kind of feels like a real thing in this day and age you know like if you go to a museum they don't want physical maps they don't want directories anymore it's just like easier to put up a qr code that does that yeah um so i was like that was cute it's like the the Louvre. Remember how the Louvre was using 3DSs for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, but this uh, this arbitrarily good production studio is also apparently working on OFK. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that. It's that kind of pop band slash video game that oh. Teddy Deef and Co are working on. Yes, I did see this trailer. Yeah. Um. Apparently, arbitrarily good is helping with that. Maybe yeah, put the trailer together for them or something. Um, All right. Yeah. So I don't know. Seems like a bunch of cool different things coming together. It's funny that they list like 
on the name the machine site they list i guess like the tools they used for kid uh the kid amnesia ex- exhibition and it just says unreal engine wise <laughs> that makes <Okay>. sense <laughs> all right understood um, yeah when you first open it it's just like a radiohead and epic games joint um and then I kind of liked how you actually, the credits, uh, how you get to that is you just like walk through it. It's on the floor of a hallway um, that leads you back to the very beginning of the game. Hmm. And it's also a game that you can replay somewhat because the, the museum isn't laid out perfectly. Uh, it's not easy to figure out where things are and you can get lost a lot. And I actually ran through it about three times to make sure I saw everything and took, took a different route like every time. I feel like your reaction to the music in this is kind of similar to my reaction to the music in uh, Artful Escape, which I don't have my list because I haven't uh, gotten much farther in it. Um, and maybe if I had, I would it would be on my list. But, you know, with the Artful Escape having, uh, you know, this kind of two generations of music kind of like butting heads against each other, um, you know, you kind of have like the Bob Dylan folk music of like the 60s going up against like the 70s inspired kind of glam rock and uh space rock kind of stuff it's hard to describe because the music itself kind of feels very space rocky with like a lot of like kind of guitar riffs and whatnot but like Mm -hmm. the characters in that camp are also obsessed with like stage costumes which i felt like was less pink floyd and more your uh glam rock twisted sister kind of, twisted yeah. sister is probably not the best uh band to use as an example but just like the more kind of kiss or something like that you know what i mean yeah um your guar even like a little bit acdc because they always had like the same outfits when they would go on again i don't have the language for that type of music so it's hard for me to describe um it is worth pointing out even if like you had the same reactions minor largely due to nostalgia i'd say sure um, and not to say the music is bad otherwise that it solely relies on that but just like i the fact that it's already familiar to me and beloved by me um i think probably yeah. played a pretty big role <laughs> but there's value in that yeah. um what if you went to the exhibit and <laughs> it like showed the the two album covers for these two different albums and then they faded out and then it just faded in pablo honey and they just played creep on loop <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh that would be the biggest prank ever pulled and I, I would have to applaud that much that's um, like that that's like that uh when that one person punked their their mom by editing toy story 3 to fade the credits right after they start falling into and, the and like the, falling the, into the fire <laughs> into the incinerator <laughs> that's pretty good uh yeah that's pretty great cool. <laughs> all right tell yeah. me about cruelty squad and while you do that i'm gonna go get a tissue blow my nose okay um let's see how do i talk about cruelty squad i almost feel like part of the reason cruelty squad is on here is it's as much fun to write about it and talk about it as it is to to play it um and and i will say it's oh man cruelty squad is just there's nothing else like it literally nothing even comes close to whatever the hell this this hot mess is and that's all intentional it's trying its darndest to be the most unappealing grossest 
worst game it can possibly be except it's also not like uh, underneath that it is a a competent and and engaging immersive sim and i am using it correctly this time i promise uh (laughs) all right well pass judgment later on while when i hear more about it okay well i i am gonna go over some of the things i wrote down for because it just kept churning these these idioms in my head for like how well to describe cruelty squad and and one way was um i think my favorite so far and i'm probably gonna use it as a superlative is is a sensory assault vector and psychic bludgeon Hmm. uh (laughs) yeah it definitely looks like um i've only seen scant photos and let me bring up one to make sure i'm talking about the right game but like it does it seems i don't know if you've ever seen any like Natalie Lawheads, any of their stuff, like yeah. their like electric zine maker or anything like that, but it's like mm-hmm. very uh like you said, like like sensory overload, just like low res graphics, just kind of like stamped Sur- all over the place. Surrealist, impressionalist, maximalism. Yeah. Dadaist. Um, the the textures are all extremely low res and very clearly, you know, like duplicated or or what's it? Oh, what is the term? There's an official game dev term for how they're tiled. I think it's tiled. Um, over over surfaces, like one guy's walls in one level is just made up entirely of like blown out JPEGs of Funko Pop boxes. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's a bug in the Grand Theft Auto <laughs> Definitive Edition trilogy too. Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition wishes it could be Cruelty Squad. Let's just say that. <laughs> but there is definitely I, a bug. I saw someone driving a boat, and apparently someone's like uh, UV map for like an NPC's face was just mapped onto the wall of like one of the docks. Oh but it was God. just, but it was just like localized into like an area close to them. I don't know if it was like. I don't know, like some like invisible sphere radius, but it would just track with the player. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, uh yeah, I-, I think the closest thing you'll ever find to Cruelty Squad is a twenty-second video clip of someone attempting open heart surgery in the middle of a dumpster fire, recorded on a Nokia seventy-six fifty. Mm. I, I that it's it's just <laughs> it's okay. You pick missions. You get a loadout, and you go do the thing that the mission told you to do. And this can be... uh, uh, It's mostly murder. You're mostly committing murders across various levels full of, like, guards and civilians and characters and secrets. Uh, You you unlock powers with the money that you earn. Um, The powers being extremely gross genetic modifications. Like, your jetpack is uh, the ability to shoot, like, gunk out of your feet. Um, accompanied with like horrifying illustrations like like imagine your feet with like a bunch of holes in the bottom um and just like nothing metal about it it's like all flesh it's it's awful um your grappling hook is like your intestines shooting out of your gut uh and and hitting a wall and then like that reels you in um wonderful things like that (laughs) is working on fps set in the hypnospace universe but by uh was that kid's name shane thane zane zane uh zane rocks and it's like what if he made a first person like doom clone kind of thing and somehow that manages to be less gross than what you're (laughs) describing right now yeah and i mean that's all part of it right um your ceo talks to you on the on like a video phone that looks awful and, and and he's like some weird job of the hut looking motherfucker 
Um, man, I, I you can play a an ever growing randomized stock market. Um, the implications of which are dire and horrifying because it's like not based on money. I mean, it's not based on stocks or, or like companies, but like how organs are doing on the oh, market. Um, as well <laughs> okay, as, so it's futures. So it's futures for certain human organs. Uh, yeah. Commodity um, trading for organs. Right. So you have to make sure once you've killed your targets or anyone else that you like you pick up their guts um, and like the better you get at killing them, depending on like how you kill them, you get different guts. And you can upgrade your your ability to to kill more efficiently to get different organs and use them on the Stark market, Stark market. Uh, yeah, and I love there's... Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, there's fishing, which also plays into it. Eventually, you unlock the ability to to go fishing, and the fish that you get can also be played on the markets. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then there's just like. All the different weapons you can get, all the different powers you can get, allow you to explore the levels in several different ways. I have stumbled into a pizza shop before, which if you don't like open fire and kill a bunch of people in there, uh, they they sort of let you order pizza, which feels very like immersive to me. Like oh, you can like spend your money and, and like yeah. purchase a, purchase a pizza here and just like eat it, and it's like horrible gross looking pizza but just like random systems implemented for no real good reason right yeah and it it, i think what really gets me about this game is it harkens back to something i've been saying for a long time which is immersive sims haven't been as detailed as they once were because graphical fidelity in today's market takes as big of a chunk as as they as those do and more people are expecting their immersive sims to look as good as possible and therefore you can't exactly spend as much time as you would have been able to making your game as as feature rich detail rich as as most of the ones in the past did uh you know we 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 talk a lot about how morrowind every every subsequent elder scrolls is missing things that made the past ones cool like the spell crafting of morrowind or or like the gamification of building up stats to the point where like you know if you keep running periodically yeah. your stamina just gets so high your acrobatics get so high that you just like negate all fall damage and move like the wind right you run you faster know. than a horse right um and that's you know I, I get it you know some of it's balancing for sure but uh I think it's funny that Cruelty Squad put all of its focus on making the systems and absolutely none at making this game pleasurable to look at. Negative effort in making this game pleasurable to look at. And I'm looking at screenshots and, you know, you're describing it as an immersive sim. And like it does, from what you described, it does sound like immersive sim, but obviously I'm not able to interpret that from the screenshots. But it does very much look like a like corrupted deus ex one rom hack yes <laughs> uh like down to the, like your characters like these dialogue windows look very much like they got that green phosphorus tinge to them like very early you know deus ex one and two kind of look with like kind of like cyberpunky font and then your main character looks like a real kind of he looks like a combination of jc denton 
and Wesley Snipes' character from Demolition Man is <laughs> yeah. the best way I can describe it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and like even so much so far as to make... Uh, I, I should say like even the controls go as far as to make the game like as unfun to play as possible. Um, and, and, and I think intentionally, which is what makes this kind of a hard game to, to rate and talk about sometimes... Uh, like zooming in with your gun is is mapped to middle mouse. Um, what is it? Uh, I know, like your scope is like on Q or R or something. No, that's it. That's it. Um, reloading is mapped to middle mouse because you have to hold down middle mouse and then drag down to bring your gun down out of your view to reload it, and then let go of middle mouse for it to pop back up reloaded. It's weird stuff like that, and then you know your life bar isn't really easily discernible it's this big gooey blob in the upper left that says is that what that is i was like what the fuck is this thing that's in every screenshot it it gets like smaller and less vibrant with the less life that you have um but yeah that is your life bar (laughs) yeah you're seeing pictures of the hud now that's like your ammo in the bottom left as well um, with a picture that does like not denote ammo at all it's like either a smiley face or a star depending on the kind of ammo type it is it looks like um, like those look like stamped rubber stamped sprites that you would see in like either kid pics or like yeah, some I like was, uh, windows 98 <laughs> like free cell or ski free like the free games that are included on the operating system it looks like what if kid pics made a uh made it made a had a, had a video game engine <laughs> And someone made like the worst game possible with it. Yeah. Uh, it, there's there's a whole lot of like weird text about the um, and I've also talked about this in the past how much uh, things like features so far off that they are unrecognizable fascinate me, and, and it feels a bit like that as well because um, there's like a lot of discussion about religion and spirituality in this world that echo almost nothing of what ne- of what we know um, about how like you know we are we are robots caked in flesh. Uh, your faith is is fueled by by how much you attach yourself to your flesh or your metal um and like faith comes into it as a game mechanic later apparently it's like a hidden value weird about how well you do or how much you um how much stock you take in your equipment or, or your experience it's a it's just such an odd game what and that's I gotta, I gotta, sh- I gotta share this image here. Um, okay, m- taking advantage of Discord's very nice multi-image uh, uh, in one message thing now. But you got this <laughs> kind of hand-drawn in the MS Paint uh, <laughs> pen tool. Sixty. Is this an FPS counter? What is this? This is in the upper right-hand corner of the screenshot. Oh, uh, you know. It's been so long since I played that I don't know if I could tell you for sure. If I had to guess, that's what that is. Okay. It's not in some of the other ones, so I have I have no idea. I would think that's probably what that is. I can't believe this big bulbous icon is your life thing. I thought it was like some weird object in the scene that you can no. like interact with. It <laughs> takes up health. so much of your HUD. It like covers oh, yeah. a good 
quadrant of the screen and it's all by design it's like how do we make this game as as impossible to play as, as possible and then like underneath it there's an actually good immersive zone it's it, the frame that you see in all of these pictures with the title of the game at the top is just always there yes it I, feels <laughs> very super game boy-esque where there's just like always a frame around the game it is it is worth looking up footage of this game when you get a chance just because it, it, it it's wild I didn't know it was an immersive sim. I knew it was a shooter, but mm-hmm. um, I only heard tell of it from uh, Mr. David Oshry, my one-stop shop for all things Boomer Shooter. Of course. Because uh, he always shares random shit, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's talking about it. Clearly, this is just another retro FPS, but apparently <laughs> it is, but not the kind I was expecting it to be. Right. It's a little more Deus Ex than, than it is Doom, and... Uh, yeah, I, I think I only have to recommend it just because it's like the kind of thing where if you smell something bad and, and you need your friends to experience this <laughs> thing with, with you and be like, you've got to see this, man. <laughs> what the hell is happening? You know, it, I can't think of the last time someone made a game like this with this goal. You know, I I that, that's probably I mean, enough time devoted to it. But like, sure, I, w- I would squad, argue man. game games like that get made constantly. It's just they're rarely ever shared to a big enough critical mass like this kind of like intentional anti-game oh man i found some fan art that i that i have to share with you if it's the feet jetpack thing i don't want to see it Uh, it's more than that oh yeah i don't like that (laughs) i don't like that welcome to cruelty squad (laughs) okay Uh, cruelty squad let me close all these tabs that I have open. Looking that'll, at all the games. That'll be the image discussing. that we use for the right. No. <laughs> I refuse. Dylan, talk to us about Pac-Man 99 <laughs> quickly. All right. What if Pac-Man was a battle royale? <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Man, people always fucking talking about Tetris 99. I fucking hate Tetris 99. Shut up about <laughs> Tetris 99. It's boring. <laughs> It's so Pac-Man boring. <laughs> Pac-Man 99 is so much more engaging. Like Nintendo keeps releasing these fucking free-to-play battle royales as a part of Nintendo Switch Online, and they've always been just kind of blah. Like I don't like Super Mario Brothers 35 or whatever the fuck it was, and Tetris. Like I, I downloaded Tetris 99 day it came out. I played my first game. I came in second, and I was like, "All right, never gonna top this." Just quit while I'm ahead. Um, and every once in a while I would, I would poke back in, but uh, just listen to people be like, Oh, Tetris 99, Tetris 99. I'm like, eh, it's Tetris. I like Tetris. Tetris is good, but, uh, I think Pac-Man, I mean, I've talked about it before, but the way they kind of make Pac-Man in this way competitive, like there's been plenty of competitive Pac-Man. You got things like, um, you know, uh, the actual Pac-Man battle royale. Isn't that what that co- is called? The, the arcade one, the four, oh. Yeah, the, the four, free for all, the free for all four player pack pan. Yes, yeah, like that one's fun. This is a little different. Um, so very similar to Tetris Nine Nine, Mario Brothers Thirty Five. Uh, you have your play screen, and then you have ninety eight other very itty bitty tiny screens surrounding it, and then it shows all the other players. Um, you're playing Pac Man as you score points, not points. Kind of as you complete objectives, you are um spawning ghosts and um kind of uh 
obstacles on on other people's boards um and they're again another yet another game where it's been a while since i played it but the way it allows you to kind of chain uh attacks together um where i'm trying to remember it's been so long basically they 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 change up how like the power pellets still turn the ghost blue and you can eat them and in eating them it you know forces obstacles onto the other players boards but mm-hmm. you can also um kind of i believe uh the regular dots can add uh kind of a trail of ghosts to a single ghost so like you can have like kind of like a long snake chain of of ghosts going around inky blinky or whoever and when you pick up a power pellet you can then charge through all of those and kind of do a heavier assault on uh the the other players on the board um there is oh this is how it works the obstacles are that you're spawning are kind of um just ghost outlines that don't kill you but they will slow you down Okay. So, so it's like there's like you can spawn dozens of these on the board, and you still have the traditional four: Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde, um, which still sounds dangerous. Yeah. Um, and if you have a bunch of these ghosts hitting you, they will slow you down and kind of make you slow enough if a bunch of you hit you at the same time that one of the regular ghosts can kill you. But if you get a mm. power pellet, it will dissolve all of those outlying ghosts, um, and they'll be wiped off the board. But sometimes a red outline ghost will spawn and those um, can kill you. So it's like an additional regular ghost that can kill you. And those, the power pellets don't disable those and they don't wipe them away and you still can't eat them. Like eating a power pellet turns a regular ghost blue, but a red ghost, a red outline ghost uh, is unaffected by the power pellet um, outside of the fact that it just stops in its tracks and you actually have to eat the fruit to get rid of that one so mm-hmm. it's kind of like this this spinning plates act of constantly getting the power pellets getting the ghosts avoiding the white ghosts getting power pellets again red outline ghost spawns getting the fruit um and just doing that and, and it allows for a lot more and in power pellets and regular dots are constantly like respawning on the on the map i believe when you eat a fruit it also respawns all the dots and power pellets, but it's kind of like, it's almost like a doom 2016 esque like loop. Yeah. Um, or you're just constantly like kind of charging through all these different abilities or items on the board to kind of maintain your momentum. Now, now I promise I'm not saying this to rag on BRs. Um, but I, I'm just sort of going off of what you're telling me is, would you say this is like more, less luck based than other ones? <laughs> um, I mean, it depends on where the ghosts spawn when they show up. Like, you could be, like, okay. charging in the bottom right, and then, like, a red ghost would show up, and you have to re, you know, reconsider your strategy. But I don't okay. consider that... I mean, yes, there's chance involved with that, but I guess I guess in my head, it is the negative connotation I have with luck, that's the phrase luck as opposed to chance. Like, yes, there's okay. a, prob- there's a probably f- probability factor in it, but I wouldn't say in any Battle Royale... You're, 
I mean, there's always going to be a hint of luck in that kind of game. Right. But, like in loot tables and, and whatnot. Sorry. Well, well sure. and sure. like even like, you know, spawning really close to a player who's clearly better than you or has a character that outdoes yours. Like, you know, I, I experience this in Brawl Stars a lot where, you know, spawn in showdown and I'm kind of like a longer range guy and I spawned really close to like a shorter range character and, sure. and I, I like can't do shit about it. I've either got to run or, you know, <laughs> like die. Yeah. Yeah. I can't and, spend time picking up power cubes because they're already on my ass. <laughs> right. It's just it's just another form of gambling, right? It's like you just have to figure out the cards that you drew and how how to work with them. It, it, yeah, it's it's more about figuring out uh, the right thing to do in those situations yeah. than it is. Which, you know, when I played more Brawl Stars, I started to appreciate other Battle Royales a little more. I still feel... Hell yeah, eh. let's get you into PUBG. Eh, about them i still don't want to play PUBG, man <laughs> ah, the best battle royale problem with that one is like i still just have a thing about shooters that don't do anything outside of like real life you know hmm. Hmm. you know I, i'll play an apex legends i played some apex legends this year and enjoyed it you know it's, good. it's a good uh, one it's a good one of them's yeah yeah but, anyway. but pac-man 99 um enjoyed it of the three battle royales that nintendo's put out on there online platform i think it's my favorite um you can probably tell by how hard i was trying (laughs) to recall it's been a while since i've i've touched it but still still very good i uh i had a question and i lost it hang on well get it back how juicy is it is it like that arcade game how juicy is it is it like that arcade game did did they uh, do like all the effects and particles and and yeah it's it's maybe a little intense than that but yeah it's definitely evocative of like the the four player one or i mean i think everyone's go-to is um championship edition oh right yeah Yeah. so yeah but so it's you know it's because i think championship edition uses like kind of like a 3d pac-man right if i remember correctly i can't can't honestly i don't think i touched Um, it but you know very geometry wars esque that game um this is a little less intense because you still need that kind of readability geometry wars is an excellent example yeah cool yeah glad to hear it yep all right alex tell me about before your eyes all right so in putting this on my list i sort of recognize the theme that i do sometimes um where i have a lot of games about death uh just not necessarily you know on the nose maybe on the nose like um you are dead or what was it oh shoot the one where you're like a ghost wears waddling things i am dead i am dead thank you um or or you know metaphorically like outer wilds which is you know like an allegory for grief and and all that uh i think it's kind of funny to me anyway that i get a I, you know i don't know why um but before your eyes is about you waking up in the afterlife being fished out of the water by a ferryman who's trying to deliver you to judgment um the ferryman is a charismatic dog person wolf person uh he's cool he talks to you about you know like what this process is like you tell me your life story and I present it. I am your orator to the guardian. And he's like presented to you as not the best orator. 
he he is constantly looking through his thesaurus trying to find the right word for certain things um he's he's a funny guy uh he's a funny guy yeah uh and then the game presents uh its core mechanic which is shooting guns <laughs> game about death baby um you are in a first person perspective where i assume with the controller you could look with the stick on pc you look around with your mouse um but uh your clicking so to speak is controlled by your blinking the game takes control of your webcam you have to calibrate it before you start and <laughs> you also have to sign a end user license agreement to give them all your data <laughs> uh, it actually does send something to the internet because i had to unblock it in my firewall and i saw something about like you know we use this data to like improve the the eye tracking algorithm for other players um and i was like all right sure i don't think that's a huge deal um but yeah it uh it adjusts it makes sure that you it reads them correctly and then the game is about going through your memories as a person where every time you blink it skips to the next memory Mm. oh yeah that's interesting it's super fascinating especially because like you might be on the verge of like you know a really interesting point in the story or or, like in that particular scene and suddenly like you blink because it's all involuntarily and then it's gone and you can't go back to it and it's 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 tough and at the same time it makes everything hit a whole lot harder about like the fleetingness of memory the 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 passing of time how much this how how it affects you And, and there are bits where it kind of falls apart um i, I want to say story wise but we'll get to that i, I just want to say like it also ends up using it in more interesting ways uh, like i said it is also just like your click so um even outside of the moments where if you blink it would skip to the next thing if you find something to click on as long as you're hovering over it then your blink will just do the thing and then you get like a grace period where your blinks won't advance the scene mm. um uh and then there's bits where you have to close your eyes completely in order to hear certain dialogue, like your character is focusing on audio over visual stimuli. Yeah. Um, so you physically have to close your eyes and then you can start hearing things like be behind a wall or, or whatnot. Uh, I wonder how difficult that was to create, like just being yeah, able to I wonder. like, I mean, is there a library that you can utilize that hooks into a game engine to easily recognize blinks? Mm hmm. Uh, so I, I think I think it's made in Unity. I think it actually had the Unity logo come up. Uh, this is an extremely indie game. Um, it's it's particularly low budget, though they did actually have voice acting, um, and mocap. But I will say the mocap was kind of shoddy in areas, and like the animation's a little rough around the edges. Um, that is one of like the little falling points with it. Uh, and again, I think the story at times sort of fell apart but i don't know if that's the fault of me missing things and like that's sort of the point is that bits and pieces are gone uh ultimately from the situation so i i'm gonna run through how this plays out which is you start off as a baby on a beach uh you grow up with your folks 
Um, your mom is a composer. She's a whiz with a piano, um, but it's not making enough money. So she takes a job as an accountant. At a young age, you are like teaching yourself piano. And there's a moment wherein you play the piano, like the big one, and you're like two or three years old, and you're hitting all of the notes, apparently, that your mom was composing. So like as a child, it must have like soaked in, and you're some kind of piano savant. And your mom's like, oh my god, you're a genius. I need to like foster this. And she like pushes you towards the piano. And you as a kid go through like piano lessons. Uh, you go through a, a, a really tough audition that you're like preparing for. In the middle of the audition, your dad gets you this knockoff SNES. You know how video games do this. Um, with like Pokemon on it, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is 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 it knockoff Pokemon or is it just straight up say knock Pokemon? Knockoff Pokemon. Okay. It's like con- okay. it's like Conchimon or something. It's like beach okay. themed. Everything is like c- seashells and whatnot. Okay. It's really yeah, oh, so it's, Sun and Moon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like this bit where uh, I was in class. Right, it was this memory where I was in class and I was like trying to pay attention and I was like writing down notes. You had to look at the screen. Uh, blink to basically turn your cursor into scribbles and then look down at your paper and then blink to transfer the notes to the paper and so i was like trying to take notes and then there's like this girl sitting next to me and she's like you know trying to get some help with uh what the teacher said and i had the feeling that i was supposed to like find some way to like reach over and write on her notepad or like find some way to tell her what it was but then i blinked and the scene was over and then like later much later in the story you're she's at your house and she's playing your 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 game with you and she's like i've decided we're not friends anymore because you didn't help me in class that one time and i was what? like damn it <laughs> these are memories <laughs> <laughs> they already happened i'm confused yeah it's <laughs> um it's like cute stuff like that and then like on the eve of your big audition after practicing you have the choice of staying in bed and like letting your your practice soak in or you go out all night and like lay on the beach with her look at stars and have a moment with her um and it's it's kind of lovely um if you pick that the audition becomes impossible the mini game that you play uh, on the piano just like you can't do it because it's basically like using your mouse to track a a moving bar on the piano it just gets the bar gets too small and it goes too fast and, and you, you you're gonna fail um you do shit uh you come home your mom's like maybe i pushed you too hard you get sick uh for like a year and have to stay home from school and then you discover drawing uh you become a famous artist you find a dealer she works you through everything uh, at one point, your mom dies. You go to that funeral. And uh, then, like, you're at a gallery of your work, you know, which is, like, a painting of your mom, a painting of so- some of the other paintings that you've made over the course of the game because there's, like, a painting mini game that uh, you play. Painting uh, of a Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, with, with Kanjiban. Um, and uh, and your childhood friend, the the girl that you were hanging out with throughout the game, like shows up at the gallery and like asks, you know, would you like to go out sometime? And then like the orator stops you and tells you, hey, I don't know what you're trying to pull, <laughs> but 
just know that the guardian's going to see through your lies like glass. Like you're, I think you're not telling me the right story here. And yeah, there's hits throughout the game that things aren't quite accurate. Uh, that you, hang on, that you, uh, there, there's like memories that you're supposed to, like as soon as they come up, the little symbol that says like, hey, if you blink now, you're going to skip this comes up and you're supposed to like hold out for as long as possible. Um, but you can't. They're really long scenes. Nothing happens in them. It's like designed to make it so that you have to skip past them. And the guy's like, I think you're hiding something from me. And I don't think you're telling me the whole story. We got to go back through this again. You got to try harder. And he's like, you you start over again, but he, this time he's like urging you, like keep going, keep blinking, keep blinking, get to the get to the other ones, the things that you that you tried to skip past. Um, you do the three things that you that you missed, and when you get to him this time, he gives you like extra tries to 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 get through it. Uh, and it's things like uh, you remember your mom receiving a call about your grandfather dying, and it's like the first time death becomes a reality to you as a kid. Um. You get to a scene, and this one really broke my heart. I wish I kind of had a warning. I'm really sorry ahead of time. Uh, Content warning. Animal abuse um, or or animal death. Ah. Uh, But it is a scene in which uh, earlier in the game, you remember a memory of your cat having kittens. And it's a scene in which uh, the kittens apparently got out because your cat did. Um, and you see them being oh, eaten. Oh, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I, sorry. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a hard time with this too. But yeah, you can keep going. Okay, sorry. Um, let's just say you see them dead, and okay. uh, yeah, it, it was really rough. And, and like, the orator's like, okay, so this is when you learned, you know, that like sometimes nature's cruel, and and you know, death might just happen. And then there's one final bit. So like around the time you get sick. And you stay home for a year. Um, there's a memory there. Another one of these, like you know, it's really slow and dragging. And as soon as you blink, you're gonna you're gonna miss it, and you can't really tell anything that's happening. So he lets you get through that, and he lets you tell him exactly what happened. And it's your character actually listening to his parents talk about the fact that you might never get better about whatever made you sick for sick for that year, and then the next scene is actually one that wasn't in the first run you did. And it's your mom giving you a typewriter and telling you, you know, why don't you, while you're sick in bed, um, why don't you write out your story? Like write, write about yourself, write about anything, write what you want. And so he does. And you learn that he wasn't sick for a year. He was sick for the rest of his life. Hmm. Uh, he, he wrote out his story and his story is what he wishes his life could have been your, your character. And, and it's what you told the orator. Um, but you go through a really tough sequence of events involving talking to your childhood friend who you were keeping it secret from, uh, because she had a rough time with it. Uh, telling your 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 book to your mom who like at that point has trouble facing you like it's it's really troubling to think that you know all of these dreams and aspirations you had for your artistic career or otherwise just like aren't gonna pan out um you know 
your 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 dad also trying to comfort you in that time and like every memory past that has this growing red uh uh tentacly visage coming in to the corners of your screen and you have you know hookups around your bed now like iv drips and buttons to like help with the pain and whatnot and yeah you 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 go through a much much tougher sequence that at the end of it when you pass away um at that point you're approaching the guardian and the orator is like okay i think we got something and he tells her i really like by the way i'm just going to touch on this the guardian's environment when you get to her um every time you blink it changes just the background and like the the scenery around you um so just like another way to play with it that they weren't using earlier but um yeah and he tells your actual story it's just it takes about an hour and a half and it's a really really sweet really really uh emotional story that only only falls apart here and there just because of like how gut-wrenching it is feels a little bit like depression porn here and there sure um but also i I mean the way you experience it i think aids in making it feel a little more real and a little more true i i i hate saying that i i i hate saying that it like it could just be like depression porn to some people but it is because it is like told with a lot of heart and it's only where like some of the graphical fidelity things and some of like the like I said, like the mocap's a little shoddy here and there. At one point, the orator like goes to sit on his stool, but he's like halfway off of it. Um, it's like little things like that that kind of rip you out. But um, other than that, um, I think that's a very special game. That sounds great. I think you did a great job kind of explaining the overarching narrative. I like the idea of a unreliable narrator in that context because usually games like that are, pre- are played pretty straight. Um, so yeah, so when you started kind of going to like you know the actions in him recalling his memories were affecting like you know the the childhood friend being like you didn't help me with the notes and it's like <laughs> well if you were just recalling that that would have already happened but yeah so unreliable narrators can be done pretty well and yeah i, and I like think that. there's probably like a few different paths you could have even taken um at least in the first run um or like maybe you succeed in the piano audition and then instead of becoming like a famous painter you you become a famous pianist and your uh mom's dead uh i'm not sure i'm not willing to go through a second playthrough just yet (laughs) yeah the animal death thing i don't think would like i I respect the hell of you know a narrative or creative choice to to include that and um but yeah that would be difficult for me to, to yeah to witness um do they not that this matters, but do they mention like what terminal illness he has or whatever? They don't. I think it's assumed it's like cancer. Um Yeah. Uh that that just seems like what it feels like the most. I think you go into like an MRI machine at one point. Um or maybe it's a CAT scan. I am not hundred percent sure. So I I won't say, but sure. Um and like I said, it doesn't matter. Like terminal illness, like I think communicates enough. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Um, I, it also sounds way up my alley, if not for the things I would have, the subject matter that I would have a really hard time with. Right. 
that's a that's a scene that it's just the one and it comes and goes so i i could handle it but yeah yeah all right well that's before your eyes again like i feel like that game hits a lot of high marks right it's like it's got a unique kind of interface system seemingly sounds like it has a really good story um you talk about depression porn and i really like really sad stories like i think like i really like children of men even though that's like a super depressing story and (laughs) i mean it kind of goes back to what what i was mentioning before it's like some people just really not to be this kind of like pretentious like oh like only smart people like really sad stories like i i don't begrudge anyone if like they don't want to watch something depressing Mm -hmm. um but there's something just so satisfying <laughs> to like <laughs> a story that is just like without hope or like something like the road or something like that. Um, and I feel like I, I do, I do think sometimes you might be like missing out on just like a little bit of the human experience. If you don't expose yourself to some of that uh, just real down trodden stuff but again yeah. i don't yeah. I, have, I have a much easier time watching something like uh you know the road or children of men or something like or or even uh uncut gems than i do watching something like the office or even succession with like the just the very awkward like social awkwardness yeah um but that's just how i'm i'm hardwired i do feel the same about uncut gems i found that one particularly brilliant just as like a horror game or horror movie uh with no horror you know just like the tension constant tension yeah the the um, number of people i saw in like my timeline whenever it was like oh this movie's so cringy i was like y'all motherfuckers always talk about the office this uncut (laughs) gems is great yeah i can watch this anytime i agree we've been taking a lot of time for these games (laughs) we have it's uh we're going well here's a short one hitman 3 this this kind of already won uh, a yeah. game of the year uh, with us before, um, but it is great, and I do feel I actually took this off of my list because of that, and I'm kind of glad you kept it on just because we can touch on it and we should touch on it. In that Hitman, that trilogy got concluded, and the conclusion was good. Uh, I thought it was fine. It was good. I I am not here to say it was worse or better than its predecessors um because i think they are best experienced as a complete package uh i still think the 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 only bad thing between all of them is like the disparity between the cutscenes um and how how much they shift between quality and not like and that's just them suffering from leaving idos and not getting access to Squeenix's wonderful cinematic team yeah. who have made movies still in his aware. Oh, uh, am I? <laughs> uh, they're just that good. Uh, <laughs> it's going to replace regular actors. That's what I've been told. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think the levels were fine. Um, I really like s- the levels. I think, yeah. I think each one has something unique to offer. I think... Uh, I'm just looking at them and there's not one that I like, like I could play any of these levels and have a satisfying experience. There's not one where I'm just like, Oh, like, Oh, I don't want to do China or whatever. Um, I feel like I enjoyed the playing 
you know, role playing as the detective in mm-hmm. Dartmoor, I don't think it's as revelatory as some people were saying it is when the such, game came out. Yeah, it, it's such a linear way to experience that level when I think Hitman's best moments are the lo- are the non-linear bits. Um yeah. And but it's and fun. Yeah, I I did it the first time too. I I I think a lot of people did. But uh yeah, I, I think on redoing that level you wouldn't want to do it again because it's it's so on rails yeah well i mean i think the the best part of doing that pass so like you know the detectiving thing you have to there's a murder you disguise yourself as the incoming uh detective that they've hired um basically everyone all the family members it's it's very much knives out all the family members are suspects and you kind of have to eliminate them and uh not not eliminate them in the hitman way but like eliminate them from suspicion right um and so you have to like kind of get access to each one of the rooms or you know stuff they've interacted with and figure it out and it's a lot of like pixel hunting just like interacting with different items but like i i do feel like it's a it's a unfortunate recurring theme in these hitman 3 levels uh well maybe for better or worse because they they really wanted to tell the story they really wanted to conclude the story this time and they put a lot of focus on these story beats but like you can just follow the first thread that they give you and it almost always puts you in a room alone with the target and then like a quick escape route right after sure uh it's you know like i said for better or worse um because you could certainly come back and play them again as hitman really really wants you to do anyway uh and and I think the biggest reason this should be on here is just to mention that this is three entire AAA games worth of content now um, that I think, at least with like a sale or a bundle or something, you can get for $60. And, and that's only including the main campaign. There's still like the multiplayer and the bonus missions and all kinds of things to unlock. It's such a solid... Mm-hmm masterclass in value for for your money i i I really wish they uh had that load your progression from hitman 2 available at launch because by the time they did make it available i had stopped playing yeah yeah defeated the point so it did did have that snag um man but yeah, I, I think I think there's a little bit of kind of creativity to the um, playing as a detective because you have to like creatively get into each person's room because they're mostly locked, um, mm. and there's a lot of guards in in the manor house, um, so that that won't me... let you get into certain areas, right? Even um, if you are, or like, they'll invited. see you like if you have a lockpick, they'll see you using the lockpick and they'll right. stop you. Um, so th- that getting to every room involved a lot of shimmying onto balconies and ledges outside uh, and getting in that way. And I mean, that was enough creativity for me and just like exploring the grounds and whatnot. Um, yeah. I forget who the murderer was. Do you remember? Oh, what? geez. No, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, all these other levels are like, I mean, the train sequence at the end of the game um, is good. I, is I cool. Mean, and and I like that one solely because it tells you exactly what it is. It's it's not just a train sequence. It is called on the rails. It is a train that is on rails, and you know it's it's the most linear out of any of the levels. Yeah, uh, this game has given you, but that's okay. 
I, I think a chance to kind of unwind and experience the, the plot's conclusion, ultimate conclusion, is good. Um, I think the choice they give you at the end is a little uh, hammy, but it's fine. Um, you can either wipe your memories and keep being an assassin forever, or you can kill the head of the, the Illuminati and yeah. disband the assassinations forever. Yeah. Um, I think the way they kill off your buddy is really unceremonious. It's just like a kind of shitty oh. cutscene after the UK level. Yeah. They just kind of kill him off screen. I was like, okay, they, they seem to have built this character up to be something and then just kind of off him. In your handler, something happens to her. I think she betrays you and then she dies, right? Or yes and no? No. She betrays you at the beginning of the game and then later is revealed to be a double cross where she's still yes. working for you. Then they kill her. because Right, because they thought they swayed her to their side because it was revealed in the second game that you, as a hitman, killed her parents because they were people of some Interest. import. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the story is fine (laughs) there was one part where i was playing i think i was playing two um or i was playing sapienza um that's in two yeah yeah and there's the part you know with no that's in one is it with the virus it's the second level in one yeah okay i was i was really i was replaying that level at some point this year and someone was watching me play and i never realized it before but like when he walked down there um and get into the cave system where they have like the the bioengineer lab there's kind of like this james bond style swell when you get into the cave if like you're coming in from like the top level and you're kind of like overlooking it's the an entire... extremely james bondy situation yeah underground secret lab with like but, an escape by a water plane yeah yeah like, with a biplane <laughs> um and it was very like buena style kind of like reveal and I kept failing and reloading a save. So we heard that swell maybe half a dozen times. <laughs> and by the end, it was like, Buena. It was like, yep, 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 Buena, whatever, whatever. Like, we need to just destroy this virus. <laughs> um, but all that to say, I'm very interested in what they're going to do with their James Bond game. Also, somewhat nervous because, I don't know, I have... I, I had so much faith in this past era of James Bond as a storytelling medium and uh and it might be because I saw Casino Royale at a young enough age where I didn't see all the cracks in it. But having just watched <laughs> No Time to Die, dear God, is James Bond just like the most mishandled property in my opinion? <laughs> and the I, I the storytelling in these hitman games uh, d- left a lot to be desired for me sure. so i don't have a lot of particular faith in io and whatever they do storytelling wise but i am very interested in what a hitman style james bond game it'll be fun play out like it'll be fun yeah it'll be fun uh maybe not the best well the most role written but it'll be fun and you know i i I respect your opinion on the James Bonds coming from Casino Royale. I think for a time I felt the same. And uh, actually, uh, I, yes, just yesterday, my dad happened to be watching one of the uh, Pierce Brosnan James Bonds. Um, and I I guess just through sheer, you know, being in the same room, happened to also watch most of that movie. And I kind of get what friends were saying 
uh, some some people that I know were saying about Casino Royale now, which was that you know like what the hell was that? James Bond's not serious. James Bond's camp. It's it's silly. It's ridiculous. And I'm like maybe they're right, but <laughs> but man, that camp isn't very good. It doesn't go I, down super smooth. Yeah, it, it's God. I was I was laughing at so hard at this bit where like just like some basic grunts i don't even know if they were working directly for the bad guy but pierce brosnan's james bond like pushes him into a a newspaper mill or something and like (laughs) fucking shreds the dude and and like then quips about it he's like man they'll they'll print anything these days because like the newspapers are covered in blood now having just committed a murder (laughs) right and i'm like james you just you just took a life And like I don't you don't even know if that was explicitly, you know, some guy out to kill you. That was like a guard at this factory. I, he might have had a family. He was probably just like a normal guy. What what the hell? <laughs> it's like how Nathan Drake is history's worst mass murderer and he's supposed to be the good guy. Right. <laughs> but like it's, the campy one-liner shit, like that's in Hitman, so it's like it they is. could just as easily maintain that tone for james bond and, and and i am admittedly someone who has fucking loved it in hitman so yeah it's uh, fine I, like it, it fits it <laughs> I, again i just as someone that for the shortest amount of time was shown what james bond could be mm-hmm. it's just so upsetting to see them go back to like oh we got the 1969 aston martin with the fucking double you know two gatling the guns that guns. come out of the headlamps and i'm like it's it's not what i want I don't want that. I don't want the fucking ejector seat in the car. I want. I don't want the car that has spikes on its wheels that come out so it can drive on ice and it can also turn invisible for some reason. You don't want. You don't want James Bond driving the Mach Five from Speed Racer. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want the jump bo- the jump pads that pop out of the bottom and let it like get sick air somehow. I am. I am the greatest spy in the world. I must stop the evil man from destroying the world. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. That was a lot of talk about James Bond. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about your other favorite thing, Dylan. Fighting games. I love fighting games. When are they going to make a James Bond fighting game? I hope soon. You know, got to be, got to be, uh, any any day now given the amount of fighting games that have come out recently about random bullshit properties hey man i'm excited for multiverses i don't know what you're saying <laughs> i mean it's free so i will try it um nickelodeon was not free so i did not try it oh uh, that nickelodeon what uh, just man the came and went what a what a what a emotional roller coaster that was I, you know maybe if they made a better game uh wow you know what's Guilty a good Gear fighting Strive. game though guilty gear strive guilty gear strive is what fighting games should be um and i I say this not platform fighters smash Uh ultimate is what platform fighters should be guilty gear strive is what regular fighting games should be guilty gear has a never been more accessible never been more stylish never been sexier and and has never brought as as big a group of of my fighting game playing friends together um so so did they take all of their style lessons that they honed for dragon ball fighters and put it back in this and previous guilty gears and their uh whatever the fuck the one starring like characters from that stupid goddamn anime 
Uh, well, well, that that doesn't narrow it down at all. I I know we already talked about Dragon Ball Fighters, but I mean, I'm, there's another was it, one. I <laughs> was it a JoJo game? No, it was something about. There's this anime. It's somewhat popular. It's kill based a kill? on. Oh, they did do a Kill a Kill. Um, no, it wasn't that. Kill a Kill's good. Um, Under Night in Birth. Not based on an anime, but it is anime bullshit. Um, and, and I say this with love. I love uh-huh. anime nerds. Um, there's a an anime that is based on like a mobile game that is about, or, or like, and I think that's based on a visual novel. I, I forget. Uh, great, it's, great, great, great. It's all about like famous historical figures from from myth and lore being reincarnated as like anime characters. Like King King Arthur is now an anime girl or something. They did a fighting oh, game based on that. Oh, I vaguely remember. Yeah, being, they they did a One Piece one. Oh, did they? I don't know if this was a fighting game. Anyways, okay. Guilty Gear. Tell me about Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear is so fucking good. I I just I have fighting game community friends from college. We had a fighting game club. We had fighting game matches in our dorm fairly regularly. It was Skullgirls at the time. That was like the big thing, and then Smash Four, um, for the most part. And I loved it. I had a great time when we kind of split off and more fighting games appeared. Um, nothing really excited us to get us back together. Uh, and you know, we, we kept in touch over discord and whatnot. Guilty gear strive got us all back together. Everyone was hyped for this game and it lives up to it. It is fun to learn. It is fun to master. It is everything a good fighting game should be. And on top of that, I think the biggest thing that wins it over, over everything else like arc system works has done um is that the characters are all unique and interesting and fun i don't think there's a single person on this roster that i don't care about um and that's there's no dan there's no guilty gear strife (laughs) it's like i uh they have done something really cool here and I, it's a big part of what guilty gear is for one i think it's always strive to have unique character concepts um but the fact uh, that like it's, our, it's always guilty gear strive to ah, uh, uh, oh man i it's just like the fact that you know we talked about dragon ball z and dragon ball z like all the care like half the roster is different forms of goku um talk about like that under that melty blood or under night in birth i think it's under night in birth where like all of the characters are like anime school children so like the guys have the same suit and the girls have the same uniform and it's like you can't tell a single goddamn thing apart about any of them uh yeah everyone here is very explicitly defined to the furthest degree that they possibly could you've got a black samurai vampire who's just fucking huge and his sword like reaches across the screen um, you've got a guitar playing witch, uh, who like, you know, hops, hops dimensions, pops out of portals, like plays rock and roll and, and kicks ass. Um, you've got an American dude who traveled to Japan to become a ninja. And, uh, he's like full of the worst catchphrases. It's all like the, the joke is he speaks in Japanese, but his Japanese is bad. So they had to like translate it to English for the dub. Um, and and it's like he he says a lot of he does a lot of things like I do he says a lot of idioms that are wrong and, and like mispronounces words and it's um so I ident- you identify with this character is what I'm hearing 
I will say my main was the big black samurai vampire. Um, but um, I, 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 I liked I just, him. I just, need, I just need to take a beat here and point okay. out that there is a character whose name is Soul Bad Guy. Oh, yeah. And he is the mascot of the series. Soul Bad Guy. Soul Bad Guy. He's also the good guy. Just so Great. you know. Great. <laughs> um, well, that's Guilty Gear Strive. Um, if you if you want to know uh, the... Oh, gosh. How do I, how do I run through this? Um... The the second Guilty Gear is is called like Guilty Gear Ixard. Um I've always heard it called Zerd. Uh it is pronounced Ixard. Uh, oh my god. And the fourth Guilty Gear game is called Guilty Gear 2. Um there is also a mode in this game. They put in a mode to help you understand the story. Like there's a timeline with like branches and stuff for specific characters to tell you how it all interweaves and it goes game by game. Um, to like sort of un- unfurl it as you go so you can approach it at your own speed uh <laughs> it does not help great <laughs> this Fantastic. game is a- this story is impossible to decipher and that's the thing that i've always loved about arxis fighting games they're they just made it stupid for no reason and then i i i will <laughs> we're both putting our hands up very important to touch on this before we move on the music is incredible I can't imagine a Guilty Gear without good music, and this is the best it has ever been. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the soundtrack is worth experiencing. Every character has their own unique theme, and every theme is... It's all some like he- variation on heavy metal, um, but I could listen to the soundtrack for days. Uh, it's also like full of... It, it's like actual songs. It's full of lyrics. It's not just like ambient soundtrack, but... Um, um, genuinely like got a a Japanese metal band I forget what their name is to perform and c- create the entire album and they did a great job uh, yeah there's just iconic lines in it that despite being what might be poorly translated uh, uh, or or just like romanized Japanese um, as as it's also referred to as uh, for some reason, they stick to you and they become iconic in spite of themselves. Like the tagline of the game's main theme, like know the smell of the game. It's like, (laughs) despite the fact that that's nonsense, it's awesome. (laughs) Have they, have they never released a, a, a cologne? Uh, they should now they should, they should, they could, should call it the game, you know, have these, (laughs) you see these Sega colognes that they release. They have like a Yakuza and a Sonic, I did. Scent. I can finally smell like a like chili dogs. It's been my goal my whole life. God. <laughs> That's been attainable before this point, but I you do you you. never never so easily, you know. I I have to get up early and make so many chili dogs and like bathe in them, you know. And that's just I can't do that. Chili um, dogs for him. <laughs> uh yeah, like I it just again to go over it really quick. It's so accessible. The, the combos, the I system... I don't believe they, you. <laughs> they didn't make it as complex as most fighting games are. You'd never have to know really weird movements. Um, it's just all about, you know, you can workshop it, you can figure out the timings, but you don't have to, like, cramp your hand, you know, days yeah. on end. Um, I mean, all joking aside, like, what I heard from 
uh, what I heard about Dragon Ball Fighters, who Arc System also made that, um, is that there's kind of there is a character for every type of fighting player in that game. Like if you are a Smash player, there are players, there are characters that play like that. If you are a Mortal Kombat or a Street Fighter player, there are characters that play like characters in those games. Um, and I played some Dragon Ball Fighters, and yeah, I, I it uh. It's it's cool because there's actually there are movements that aren't just quarter circles and guilty gear. Um, Dragon Ball Fighters only quarter only quarter circles, which are like the easiest thing to pull off. Um, which yeah, that's a that's a cool thing to to reach for. Just in terms of like, it's no Rising Thunder, or I guess they actually have announced the League of Legends fighting game yeah, yesterday. Yeah, whatever so, it's called. Yeah, um, typed Project L or something. I, I don't know if it has an official title yet, but they, I remember they showed footage yesterday um, on the on the wake of the end of Arcane. Um, but anyway, Guilty Gear Strive, hands down on my top 10 list. What a good fighting game. It's so slick. It is even even getting my ass handed to me by friends from a real group who are just way better than me constantly. Fun to learn, fun to be a part of, fun to see how much better you can get at damn fighting games man um one last question i wasn't much help during that conversation because i'm not a fighting game guy where where does guilty gear rank like not in your own kind of personal taste but like if we're looking at like the pantheon of fighting games like what is what is the top tier fighting game is it mk is it street fighter and like how Uh, does how does the list play out underneath that I would look at what gets the most play at like Evo. Um, sure, like main Evo stage kind is of stuff. like the big stage for all of them to come together. And Evo's core roster has almost never changed from like the most recent Smash Brothers, the most recent Mortal Kombat, the most recent Tekken, the most recent Street Fighter. Well, hasn't um, but hasn't Smash being at Evo always been kind of like a push and pull because of Nintendo stuff? No, uh, Nintendo's been in full support of Evo because they're like a respected organization. Um, I, there's some partnership going on there. Yeah, but I could have uh, sworn like five or so years ago, Smash was not at Evo because so of some stuff. Nintendo has been big on keeping Melee from Evo. And if you had oh. to ask me what the biggest fighting game in the world is, like what the most popular is, I might have to say Melee. If really? only because it has had such a long time to garner as big of an audience and a reputation and a player base as it has. I mean, how many games can say they had a full-blown mod to, like, a GameCube game from 2002 in the year 2020 got a mod to be able to play it online with, like, really, really good netcode? That's no small feat that's not a small community <laughs> um sure i mean yeah I, I mean i don't disagree it's also just wild to me i'm not gonna sit here and pretend that uh melee and smash ultimate are identical games but to me yeah like i will say like the gap and difference and just like kind of mechanical changes between melee and smash ultimate is way narrower than something like halo 3 a halo reach to halo infinite like there's part of me that could still very much easily go back and play some halo 3 or halo infinite melee i enjoy melee but like 
there's so you much. You can never go back and play it on the same level that you can play Ultimate now. Yeah, I just enjoy it. And so, like, I've seen people, like, ask, like, just, like, here and there is for Nintendo to port Melee into, <laughs> onto Switch. And I'm like, why would they do that? Like, even beyond the fact that, like, that's such an anti-Nintendo thing to do outside of, like, the very slim, like, kind of retro stuff they've been offering. I don't think they would ever want to offer up a game like that that would, A, compete with a game that they are currently selling, and B compete or release a game that i feel like and this is just kind of like a shot in the dark but this kind of feels true to me that a game that they see as not as good as their current offering in that franchise i'm looking at software sales best-selling uh fighting games of all time this is from vgsales.fandom.com so take mm-hmm. it with a grain of salt top 10 fighting games of all time we got at the very top smash brothers ultimate Number two, Street Fighter 2. Number three, Smash Brothers Brawl. Number four, Mortal Kombat 10. Number five, Mortal Kombat 11. Number six, Smash 4 for 3DS. Seven, Street Fighter 4. Eight, Tekken 3. Nine, Tekken 5. And 10, Dragon Ball Fighters. Which is interesting. That's only like a handful of... Uh, I mean, I guess it's the major ones you listed, but it's also interesting mm-hmm. to see Dragon Ball Fighters on that list. I think the popularity of Dragon Ball Z plays a big factor in that sure that's true uh yeah it's um man it is a wild world fighting games i still think yeah like like that that's the evil lineup is generally like one of those four whatever the most current iteration is and then they tend to get some outliers which depends on like recent releases and uh fan votes as far as like you know if we can get as many players as possible for such and such then We'll, we'll we'll put it in you know it'll it'll be in the listings and that's normally uh, like what a blaze blue or skull girls or something a blaze like blue that. a skull girls a melty blood um something really obscure i was recently watching an action esports which is a good youtube channel about you know like the history and development and you know cool moments from the world of esports um that did a whole video on the year that these fans of like an ex- obscure snes fighting game based on sailor moon uh <laughs> man we're trying to get it into evo like you know garnering the votes and all that uh so i think there's a good chance we get a this guilty gear in the next evo um but other than that uh i i am not sure i i have not seen a whole lot of like arxis stuff at sure. their games just because they're kind of few and far between and even if it is arxis it's like one of their licensed properties like dragon ball fighters or the or the undernight in birth something i don't know mm-hmm. um but anyway okay all right all right all right La- very last thing uh here are sales <laughs> bring- broken down by franchises is probably what i should have read before okay um from most to least it's mk then smash then tekken then street fighter then soul caliber yeah then virtua fighter and then this franchise i've never heard of called bloody roar I don't really? know what that is. I don't know what that I, is. I know Bloody Roar. I wouldn't have expected it to be anywhere near. Well, that let's high. to compare. Virtual Fighter five point five million lifetime sales of the franchise. Bloody okay. Roar one point five million. So that makes kind some of a jump. sense. It's funny that either Blaze Blue or Guilty Gear aren't higher than Bloody Roar. Frankly, I can kind of understand. What was the one above it again? Above Bloody Roar or above Virtual Fighter? Above Bloody Roar. 
Virtual Fighter. I can kind of understand Virtual Fighter since that was like one of the firsts, even sure. though they haven't had one in. I was about to say, like Virtual Fighter hasn't been a thing for a long, long time. Sure, that's funny. Okay. Wait, hold on. Virtual Fighter Five Ultimate Showdown released May two thousand twenty one. Oh, oh, it's okay. a remake. It's a remake, but all right. Uh, um, man. And then King of Fighters, I would expect to be up there as well. But yeah, well, I know. Um, where's my man Terry Bogard? <laughs> my man Terry, <laughs> he's 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 living the dream in Smash, man. <laughs> I suppose that's probably like the most anyone. But Terry Bogard is this generation's Marth and Roy. <laughs> They're like, who's this guy? <laughs> I read somewhere that apparently SNK games are huge in Central and Latin America. Um, and so apparently his release in smash was a massive win for them and they, they love him and they're, they're so excited that people are knowing about him. Cool. But that's fighting games. Th- them's fighting games. Um, all right. We're, we're running long on this episode. Uh, I feel like the final two on this list that we planned for this episode probably shouldn't even delve into given probably the amount our, we have to say about them our passion um i'm sort of feeling like you could even merge this this next one with with another game that came out recently that you're excited about oh uh we could do that i don't have much to say um, about it. this 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 game the game we we're talking about splitgate yes splitgate uh game that's been out for a couple of years but kind of like got a lot of popularity this year free to play competitive fps it's halo meets portal um mm-hmm. if you want to be really reductive i feel like it plays the gun plays a little different from halo um d- d- barely i mean like in very minute ways but uh <laughs> i don't know i think i have this on my list mostly because um i've just i've been able to like kind of get a posse together every once in a while and play some and it's fun to play like it's interesting having that extra kind of wrinkle where you can shoot portals on surface i mean it's literally a portal in the sense that like you have you know two different portals and they connect together and you can only short shoot shoot them on certain surfaces um and use them to get around the map but you can also shoot through them um and then there's an extra wrinkle even to that where you can only ever see through your own portal. You can travel through anyone's portal, but you can only see where you're going with your own portal. Even your allies' portals, you can't tell where they lead, um, which is a cool little thing. Um, and it's always satisfying to like get a kill by blind firing through a portal and hitting someone on the other end. Um, but yeah, it uh, if, if Halo Infinite hadn't grabbed as much of my attention as it has uh <laughs> split gate would probably be my fps multiplayer shooter du jour for this year because i kind of always have one um yeah it's fun like you said we'll probably I'll, I'll talk about it more probably in comparison to halo infinite when we talk about halo we'll have more time on our part two to this part two because I mean, we won't have be devoting 30 minutes to uh <laughs> a game we don't to- i didn't even like J- james mcavoy and the sister wife chronicles like, i just had I, to i just had to exercise it for my system like it was just it was in there it was gunking up the works and i just had to like yeah. expel it like a 
evil spirit. It was, it was like being in Deathloop the the last episode. You know, it was just like, can I please talk about this though? Because I've I love it and I need to. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk yeah. about more Deathloop. It's on the we list. Will. We'll be we discussed because I have things to say this time. We both like Deathloop. I I do. I like Deathloop. I wish I I can't talk about any of the end stuff because I haven't haven't beaten it. So oh well. Oh, so I won't be able to either. No. I can't spoil it for you. No. Damn. All right. Let's just spoil Before Your Eyes, which was a game I was interested in. Oh, damn. Sorry. No, no, no. I should have thought about that. I think (laughs) given the content warnings and stuff you were talking about, I think it's good that you kind of went into it because if I went into that blind, I don't think I would have come out in a good state. Um, But yeah, that's uh, not even half the games that are (laughs) We meant to cover. So uh, we'll see on part two. Maybe there'll be a part three. Who knows? All right. Uh, Alex. Yes. Almost forgot. It's been a while. Where can people find you? People can find me uh, raving about several of these games on Twitter at Godan, spelled G-H-O-D-A-N with an underscore. That's Godan with an underscore. Cool. Um, And you can find me at Dylan Alvento. Uh, I'll leave it to you uh, smart folks to figure out how to spell out my last name. <laughs> um, and if you like this podcast, you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at word-games.com or on Twitter at word video games or wherever podcasts are sold. Just search wordcast. It'll bring up this show wordcast that we put out pretty infrequently, but we've had some cool stuff. We had a PAX panel this year, a virtual one. Uh, we talked about our reactions to the final smash character announcement ever. Who could have seen that Goku was going to be the final Smash character? Not I, certainly. Um, Goku, star of Kingdom Hearts. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, we also have... Gotta get the Dragon Balls, Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> Gorse, Goku, we gotta go on the Great Snake Highway. <laughs> gotta go to Kami House and get Donald. <laughs> And uh, yeah, man, the, the the end of season arc where like Mickey Mouse unlocks his ninth Super Saiyan form, yeah, uh, truly one of the greatest moments in anime. Right, the the Mickey saga is the best part of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, and uh, we also have another podcast, Attract Mode. Maybe you've heard of it, where uh, mostly myself and Mister Nick Nundall force ourselves to watch terrible, terrible video game movies. Uh, <laughs> The latest video game movie that we saw at time of this recording, Injustice. Um, yeah, you don't need you, you can skip it. Just Not don't the episode. See it. You you, on, you you listen to our episode and start watching the movie to That's learn you why you shouldn't watch it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Alex, are you excited for that Resident Evil movie that we're gonna be seeing soon? Sure. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. The CG looks terrible. It doesn't look great. It looks terrible, but the but the accuracy to the source material looks okay. Yeah, they sure do have a Albert Wesker and a Leon Kennedy and, and a, a Jill eating a sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> it's Jill sandwich now. All right, bye, Alex. See you later. <laughs>